This is The Saga Continues, a companion podcast to the Hulu's original series, Wu-Tang and American Saga. I'm your host, King Tech, and today I'm talking to my longtime homie and my radio co-host partner, Sway Calloway, about growing up as friends in the Bay Area and fans of the Wu-Tang Clan. Sway gets into the parallels of our experiences with those of the Wu-Tangs as depicted in the show. You can catch a series over on Hulu right now and follow along with each episode. Let's go. This is The Saga Continues, where we discuss everything that happened in Wu-Tang and American Saga, now streaming on Hulu. I'm your host, King Tech. Today, my guest is my... It's a, it's a weird one, man. I got Sway in the building. Man, the legendary man himself, man. I've known the man for over 25 years. Dude, uh, you have never called me legendary, man. What's, this is different, man. I, uh, you know, but, but this is it, man, because, you know... Listen, man. I, you never, you, you never I get you. your, you never get your full props, bro. Some somebody has to give you your full props. Yeah, but it, it's it, coming from me. I think it means more to call you legendary, right? Yeah, yeah but if if it comes from you, I feel like I got to pay you back later on. Like, uh, yeah, you know, that's ten dollars. Ten dollars a legendary. house or something. Yeah, man, legendary costs ten bucks, twenty bucks for uh, extreme man. success. And man. I got words in here that yeah, you got just kind of got to say them. Yeah, I'm just gonna say when you live together and a person calls you legendary, <laughs> does it really mean you're legendary or the, you know? Well, look, look, man, you just watched a few episodes uh-huh. of the Wu Tang and American Saga, man. First of all, what do you think about this whole thing, man? About what RZA has put together? You know, um, I, I I feel like we're in fertile times right now, tech, uh, where there's so many changes happening right now, especially. In technology, especially in this digital age, there's so many opportunities for us to tell our own stories. So, so often our stories have been told by other people. You bring it to Hollywood, they assign a director, they assign a producer, they want to edit out your story. They usually want to edit out the parts that are most important because they don't get this cultural significance. So sitting here watching this Wu-Tang uh, Clan American Saga, it's filling in so many blanks in my head because, you know, we we really got to know them when... You know, when Jizza was the genius, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and Rizza went by uh, mm-hmm. Prince, Prince Rakim. Rakim and Girls Come, you know, what was his song? Girls. Ooh, we love you, Rakim. We, we love you, Rakim. Girls Come Do Me, you know. And, you know, and so we didn't, they came out a certain way um, before, you know, um, Into the Woo came out. And um, Watching this is filling in the gaps and the voids that we never knew. I didn't know how important Divine was mm-hmm. uh, to the development of who RZA is, mm-hmm. and then even how he ultimately brought back the, the Wu Tang, brought form formulated the Wu Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Watching this episode, I didn't realize that you know that Ghostface really had a problem with Method Man early on claiming Park Hill. Mm-hmm. When he did the Killer Hill demo, and and RZA couldn't understand, or Bobby at that time didn't understand, well, why you got a problem with it? He lives here, but he ain't from here. And Ghost makes a whole nother song, almost like a diss record, if you will. Mm-hmm. These kind of stories we never really heard. I think it's important to hear these stories because on a broader scale, you just never know how you how things are going to end up. And to see those dudes who at one point were shooting at each other and didn't like each other mm-hmm. were able to form, you, form this crew that became one of the biggest impactful crews in hip-hop history. Mm-hmm. 
man, I'm sitting here watching this thing on the edge of my seat. Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. The Italian mob was <laughs> what? Involved in what? <laughs> you know, so it's, man, I think so far what I've seen, you know, of episode five and even at the end of episode three when they showed the rap battle. Right. Uh, man, it's kind of amazing for a dude who kind of grew up in this and... You know, back then, we couldn't have known these things. We didn't even know how to ask these questions back then. You know, right, we right. wouldn't have thought of this. And even though we had a lot of hip-hop publications, I don't know if they were getting the intimate details that RZA would give when it's him, you know, that's writing the story, you know. Yeah, for those of um that don't know, Sway and I came into the music business together over 25 years ago. So it's like... I'm going to ask him some questions that, you know, some of the stuff that I know, but it's awesome to hear him um, reflect on what we all um, went through, man, because when I watched the series, uh, Sway, it kind of reminds me of us in a weird way. And I, and I say that, I mean, anybody in the late 80s who was trying to get the SB1200, who was trying to make beats, mm-hmm. they had to make this decision. Do they want to go with street money? Or go to get a real job money. Yeah. Or some family member money or something like that. So when I watch the series, I'm like, damn, that's exactly what we went through. And then at some point when you put your crew together, everybody had to get different assignments. And I know one of the um when we started to form our own label and we were out there doing things, I know one of the hardest things you had to do, um, similar to what the Wu Tang was doing, is we we made a bunch of records in the Bay Area, and we sent you to New York on your own, mm-hmm. and you went to the South Bronx passing out records. Talk about that experience, man. Yeah, man. We um, it's interesting. People don't know this about us. You know, when we look at the Wu Tang Clan, to your point, we were collective initially. Yeah. Even when uh, I started as a rapper, it wasn't just me. It was me, my cousin Chuck, my brother Terry. Um, and Al Ski, the dude who ultimately introduced King Tech and I together, because uh, Al used to dance with you. Right. Um, and then when they went off and did different things, we formed a collective with a lot of the guys you knew, the Jose's, the uh, Rick. Rick. Uh, well, we got to talk about that because the reason they left, because in the mid-'80s, the godmother from Florida moved to Sacramento and a, the crack cocaine and, and drugs started coming into the Bay Area heavy and people had to make decisions. Who's the, the godmother from, oh, the drug guy? The, yeah, the drugs I don't know are, if you knew this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the uh, godmother. Griselda? Came, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She moved to, um, she was in, uh, I think, um, in the Sacramento prison. Yeah. Which we found out later on. Now, we were kids when this was happening, so we didn't know why a guy you saw yesterday with nothing had a brand new Suzuki Samurai mm-hmm. the next day. You're like, what the hell is happening? And I know for you and I, it was tough, man, because you, you're starting to see all your homies get all this stuff, and you're like, hey, how how they, how they getting this so fast? But we decided to go the righteous route, we which the is righteous. the longer route. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, get back to what you were saying, but that's what happened. Yeah, um, and we had options. So when you look at, like, episode five, you see Divine getting out of jail. They get pressured by the mob because the Auntie Linda took something from the mobsters the mobsters come to the household and say, you guys got to pay it up. Mm-hmm. Divine was forced for the option to either try to get a real job or do it the illegal go way that, or go, go back to jail. He, you know, and we had those same options of I was living in Oakland and I could have took a different route. Absolutely. But, but let's say if we can, 
uh, respectfully, let's say you're the RZA in all of this, like in our, our crew, All City Productions, mm-hmm. and you were the nucleus to bringing all these dudes on board, Dave Fortune, Jose, uh, Rick Posada, Rick Posada Octaviano, you know, yeah, Aki Star, yeah. Star now. All these different people had the Anthony Russell that had all these different roles. Yeah. Okay, right? right? And, you know, and we started off like that. We didn't know each other. I didn't know them. Right. Only trusted you. Right. You know what I mean? And then ultimately everybody right. kind of went their own directions and made their own decisions in life, and we stuck with it. When I see the rap battle at the end of episode three, you know, all these dudes signing up and everything, I think about Southland Mall when I had to do the rap battle mm-hmm. that we could win a a, a system, a stereo yeah, system. Yeah. Southland from, Mall is in Hayward, California, about 15 uh, miles from Oakland. But go ahead. Yeah, and then yeah. it was like, man, you know, we sat down. It was like, man, you got to enter that battle. Okay, well, geez, all right. Well, right. we could win a stereo but, system. But, but, but I got to tell you, man, that my uh, one of my greatest moments was at that time, uh, my cousin Prince Ice was on a station called KSOL in the Bay Area, and Sway and I, at that time, it was cool to make uh, records about your DJ, so we had a song called King Tech. It was just a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Prince Ice played it on KSOL one time, and when you were in the Southland Mall battle, I was just sitting in the crowd. Nobody really knew us. You were on the stage rhyming, and these kids in front of me was like, that's the dude. That's the guy that recorded King Tech. And I was like sitting back like, they know the record? They know the song. Wow. And those moments are monumental moments for a crew that thinks it's going nowhere. Those are like little steps up the ladder for us. Like, damn, if them two can know us, what about 100 people? What about, can we rock a whole arena? Like, it gave you a a breath of fresh air and life. And and it was like, this is interesting. Now, we could parallel our things with Rizzo, but we we learn from it, too. Like, you learn from that. Mm-hmm. I learned from that, even being in front of a crowd, similar to how RZA learned when they did that rap battle. And, right. and, you know, and, and he kicked and, that weird rhyme he, about sperm going and, through a fallopian tube. Yeah. triple stage <laughs> darkness and, and all of these different things. And he learned that that didn't connect necessarily. And we, we, we started learning, man. And so um, I don't know, man. I just think um, the way the story is being told is interesting to me. And I think the thing about these stories and the thing about this culture is that we're talking about, this was placed in the what, late 80s? Yeah, early you know, 90s. Early 90s, yeah, yeah. okay. It's 2019. I bet you a kid who's trying to get in the game right now and that got a crew, like if you look at Brockhampton crew, you know, that's one of the new, or the, uh, our future crew. Right. Um, if you look at all these different crews, um, right. Joey Badass, Pro Era crew, they all have similar parallel stories, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. Not realizing that this story has kind of been played out when you see Rizzo and them do it. I think this is going to answer so many different questions. Because I always wondered, what was Rizzo's home life like? Mm-hmm. Like, who were the women or the parents or who were the people that raised, raised these them. dudes? Yeah. You yeah. know, um, I talked to him about that in, uh, in podcast, the first one. And uh, it seemed like Uncle Hollis... Uh, who starts, you start to see him in episode one, was really his main father figure. Man, we talked mm-hmm. about him for at least 20 minutes. And Rizzo was getting a little choked up. As a matter of fact, when we did the TV show One Shot together on mm-hmm. BET, mm-hmm. when we stopped in North Carolina, Rizzo took off for like two, three days, you know, and he mm-hmm. was looking at me like, yeah, I bet you thought I was going out to see some chicks. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, uh... he was like, nah, man, I went to see my family. In like, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. I thought you from Staten Island. But he said that uh, when his mom sent him over there, 
Um, it was a, a good learning experience and a good transition for him to understand, like, the different lifestyles between staying out of New York. Like, you know, there's a different mentality, man. New York, like, just like for you, uh, Parallel in Oakland, can you talk a little bit about why you didn't get into uh, the, the drug game and you decided to go on the music route? Man, that's a good, you asked, you're really interviewing me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you was right Sway there. Callaway. <laughs> Sway Cal- no, I, I didn't know that part though. Honestly, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, man. Like there is things that we 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 started progressing so fast. I never really asked, like, I, yeah. like, because to me, I was more like the RZA and the crew. But then in a weird way, you were kind of your own RZA too. Like in a way, you were like divine because uh-huh. you were kind of you're the check and balance dude in your brain, and and you figured out how to make it all work eventually, which is what divine really did. Yeah. Um, but. You were way around more drugs than I was, mm-hmm. so I'm just saying, what? Why not follow the temptation of making two G's an hour? Man, I almost did. Like, I, I don't think it was. Um, man, other than my moral compass and knowing the difference between right and wrong, and if drugs didn't hurt people so much, you know, I didn't see the destruction that drugs brought. I saw a whole community destroyed in a couple of years. Growing up in Oakland, like there was always drugs. You know, we grew up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, but when crack came in, that was a different kind of weapon. You know what I mean? Drugs were even weaponized against the community. So tech, to answer that question, almost called you by the uh, government. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to answer that, uh, man, I saw where we grew up. Um, on East 22nd, there's an area called 23rd Ave. At some point, man, it was so much death. You know, you saw so much violence and murder um, that they eventually start calling it murder dubs, you know. And, um, man, I've literally watched a person OD on drugs when I was in junior high. At school or when uh, you were walking home? No, in my home. neighborhood. I oh, saw oh, yeah. a person literally just lilt over and we thought that person passed out the person was stiff like Damn. you know stiff like a board we thought maybe the person got knocked out you know we used to laugh at drug addicts and um crackheads and we had all kind of names for them next day we found out because they they um put the yellow tape around and they had to chalk over the, the street we found out the person died man mm. man that person might have been in high school it man. was um, somebody we knew uh, that might have been in high school. I took a footnote to that. But to your point, man, we had 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds that started selling it, and it seemed like it was easy. And it seemed like the money was coming so fast that in two weeks, dudes was buying cars. The cars they were buying were Mustangs, Coog Nuts, Monte Carlos, uh, Hornets, all these different cars. They were 14, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Something didn't feel right, man. It just felt like... Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It felt like you're, at a, you're in a bad dream, but in a dream, you're getting everything you wanted, but you know you're in a bad right. dream. Right. And so there came a point when we got into our senior years, and it was the question of, what are you going to do now? I wanted to go to college. I wanted to be an attorney. Didn't have money for uh, being an attorney. Didn't have um, you know, um, the resources to go to college. And it just I saw friends and people who are really close to me mm-hmm. um, start selling drugs. 
I saw them making money on a daily basis and it just didn't seem right. And I just saw our neighborhood become decimated because of it. And I felt like I never wanted to be the blame of another person's demise. But at the same time, it was coming to the point where I realized, man, no matter how smart I thought I was, I wasn't going to get the same opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then hip hop, you know, was something we always had an affinity for. Like growing up for me, from the time I was in junior high, um, I had a transistor, AM transistor radio. I used to listen to k all day, Marcus Clemens, KK, and all these guys, legendary DJs, and listen to these stories, whether it was Treacherous 3, whether it was um, Sequence, whether it was Tila Rock, all these different people that I used to play on this. And it sounded so different, and New York fascinated me, and the stories they told fascinated me. And then when we start seeing people like Curtis Blow and Run DMC, you know, actually making videos, you know, I, I just felt like it was something about that that kind of enchanted me. And so when it came to actually form a group with you, um, to me it felt like, okay, if this doesn't work, then maybe I'm going to have to do, maybe I could sell some weed mm-hmm. instead of crack, you know, um, to pull some money in. You know, um, it was a hard time for us. You remember at mm-hmm. that time I was in my house. I was, you know, we didn't have no electricity in the house. Couldn't pay the bill. My mother had moved out in a different direction and said, hey, this your, this, this will be your responsibility. Now, she left the whole house to you or to your brothers and sisters? Because no, I don't remember them being house. around. So it was just you in the house, right? It ended up being me. My um, brother um, ended up going um, to uh, school. My okay. sister was um, moved away when she went to school. Um, and so my, you just came home to an empty kind of house, no lights, no water, no heater, no just a, just a box, really. Well, my mother uh, started moving on in her life. Her kids started getting grown. It was her house, and if you right. want to stay in it, you got to pay the bills. Right, right. And um, at that time, I wasn't making enough money to pay the bills. So that's when it was like, man, I could just go do this thing for two weeks. Mm-hmm. We had a friend of ours, man, that. Grew up with us the exact same way. And I don't think he would mind if I tell this story. It's the man introduced me to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and one time we had, it was a Run DMC concert coming to town. And he told us, man, if I could get $75, I could flip that, turn it around, and buy us all Adidas sweatsuits. Man, having Adidas sweatsuits back then was like having a full-fledged Louis Vuitton outfit. You know, and right. it was like for $25? You can flip it and buy us all what? Yeah, I can mm. make uh, seventy. So it was three of us, seventy five dollars into a whole lot more money. So it's like, all, all right, here's twenty five dollars. Mm. He didn't ask any questions how he did it or the specifics or the details, but he flipped that money, came back, and we was able to buy Adidas sweatsuits. Wow! And we was like, oh man, this is dope. But in the corner of my heart. It was like that bad dream. <laughs> I was like, man, something ain't right about this. This don't. This doesn't seem right. And um, it wasn't a feeling I liked. It wasn't a feeling I wanted to have again. And so when it came to that time when you and I was hanging out and when it wasn't, I couldn't afford to pay electricity. And then the money that we did make working at fast food joints, the UPS, Brockway Glass Company, Granny Goose, the Rattan Furniture, Alameda Naval Air Station, putting up conduits, all these different jobs. I was taking Nita's Creole restaurant when I was the dishwasher. Remember that? And Hayward. Um, You know, we were trying to save money and do stuff in the studio and all these different things. And so, man, I'm going to tell you, bro, 
our union gave me something else to gave me a new, a new another a new goal. Mm. And I think if you don't have goals in life or right. you don't set them, you kind of drift and you kind of fall into traps. And so hip hop, you coming around saying, "Man, um, man, so I'm a I break, you know, I'm a you know, I pop, you know, I'm a I'm a start producing, I'm gonna learn how to produce and remember the sequential buying that first mm-hmm. uh, drum machine. drum, drum yeah. machine and watching you practice DJing when I used to come to your house in Hayward. And yeah. at one point, you were stronger with one hand than the other. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and you didn't have to switch and learn the other hand. Then you yeah. had to switch and learn the other hand. And I remember I used to sit on, sit on your floor in Hayward and just watch and listen. And I was supposed to be writing rhymes. But right. what you didn't know is, man, I was appreciating the heat in the house because mm-hmm. you know, y'all had a heater heat, yeah. and y'all had carpet. <laughs> so, carpet, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was appreciating laying on the carpet, but at the same time, the unknown kept me motivated. What this can possibly be, right? And so I knew if I was to go down that route, I did hold guns for somebody, you know, um, uh, that asked me to stash away some guns that they had, and I stashed them away in my mother's house for a long period of time, and even. Um, even that, like, only took them out. Sometimes I look at them and, and just realize how these things are weapons that are designed to take life. And after a while, man, I couldn't even fall. I couldn't even sleep in my own house. I would have to go down to the cellar. And man, I finally gave those guns, man. Once I gave that dude those guns back, you know, I was like, man, I got to do this full steam ahead. And if it doesn't work, yeah, then, then maybe I'll become public enemy number one. Right. And I would have did well at it. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's that's why I didn't go down that route, man. I mean, come on, Tech. We we're not um we're loving, caring people, you know. And um, it, it was just, you know, um, I was always taught, you know. I, I had um my great auntie uh, once told me when you face pressures in 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 your community, um, and you facing adversity, you have to outsmart your environment, and we prided ourselves on not having a whole lot of money or anything, but we were great athletes. Mm-hmm. We were very competitive people, and we worked to be clever. So we we found we read information so we could have one up on you, and um, and so I wanted to outsmart my environment and be the example. I don't think I'm no different than anybody who grew up in our neighborhood and ended up taking a different route. So when I look at this, watching the Wu Tang Clan story. Mm-hmm. I could relate to what they're going through in their head. You know, now when you hear a song like uh, Cream and you right. listen to Ray Kwan's lyrics and you see how the beginnings are portrayed in this um, in these different episodes. Um, what's this first? I grew up on the crime side, the New, New York, York Times side, side yeah. you know. Uh, staying, staying alive, alive was no job, yeah. you know. Had a second hand, mm-hmm. bounce on the old man. You know, all, you know when I... Now, man, when you say I rocked the gold tooth, right. you know, and all these things he was saying that those lyrics back then sound like they were writing stories, you know, right. that could have turned into movies. Right. Now, when you see this story and match it to some of those lyrics, it brings so much understanding like this stuff came from a real place. Raekwon really was a real dude. Yeah. And them dudes use rap and hip hop. The same way we used rap and hip hop to elevate themselves and create a better lives for for themselves. So, 
you know, was that 92 that came out, uh, 93, whatever that. Mm-hmm. So 20 some odd years later, mm-hmm. they changed their destiny. To me, that's what the culture, it was about expression always, you know, but it's also about how you could utilize it to change your destiny. It's, that's when people say hip hop saved my life, that's what they talking about to me. And so seeing this story is like, yeah, man, that's, I can relate, man. Man, you know, like, like I was saying, and, and Sway was just saying, uh, you know, this Wu-Tang Clan series, bro, is going to have impact on cats in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in Florida, maybe, because, man, like I said, late 80s, early 90s, every producer was trying to get the SB-1200. Every crew had some cat like the RZA that was like, guys, we could do this. It was just a matter of... Man, the RZA is, was, however you look at it, man, Sway. I've been around him where, um, you know, uh, I got a funny story for you, man, where the guy was talking to Universal about like a picture deal or something he was doing. He was playing chess against chess against one of his kids, and then we were waiting to do an interview with him, and then his kids were yelling in the other room, and I think the guy was doing a painting with his right hand, and he was, uh, I mean, I'm just saying like, he was doing six things simultaneously, man, around chaos. And he was able to manage all the chaos simultaneously. It was mm-hmm. the craziest thing I ever seen. And I was just sitting there watching this dude. I don't know any other human being that could do that, man. I mean, mm-hmm. and when you watch the episodes, music was his outlet, which is like, again, yeah, it was like just like us. Just like us. All the drama that was going on, we put the headphones on, we put on Cool G Rap. Big Daddy came, rock him, or whoever you would listen to at that time, mm-hmm. and whatever they were saying, it was like it was like an escape for like a few minutes. You were like, man, what this guy's talking about? And then when we realized we actually were talented enough to start doing things and really pursued it 100%, it was it was a matter of like two or three years before we went from like zero to you know mm-hmm. heroes in the bay. Like we yeah. started doing big big limos, start picking us up Remember and doing that? things. Yeah, yeah man. man. So. That was crazy, man. I, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy time. And then and then that's how the whole wake up show thing was started, man. Was uh winning a rap battle and then a DJ battle and got us a shot on on uh KMEL radio. But I do want to talk to you about this no more Mr. Nice Guy, man. So this is one of my favorite songs on on, on episode five when uh Dennis is uh is got a rap going against it's I guess it's against the RZA, man. I don't know uh, exactly. And I shout out to King Cricket for helping write some of the rhymes in these uh-huh. in these things. The rap battles, man. Talk about the rap battle era. When you sat down back in them days to write your rhymes, uh-huh. what what mentality were you in? Was it a friendly uh, thing? Because explain the late eighties, early nineties. There were it, it was like your crew versus everybody. everybody yeah, man. And we still kind of you. You might have softened up. I think I still have that. Like you, man. You ain't down with us. I don't know you. No, nah, you still that same dude, man. It's, it's that's it's, a hip hop. Yeah, thing, it's man. scary. I tell people that too, man. I was <laughs> yeah. like, look, you're gonna meet Tech. The, the the interesting thing about you and I, we we kind of have a, a internal understand. We would adjust our roles. To yeah, yin and yang. Yin, yeah. yin and yang. If I was the yin this week, you were the yang. Then the following week, you were the yang. I, I mean, you were the yin. I was the yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rap battling, battling just in general. Um, the styles that were out at that time. Yeah, Talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we were coming up, let me see, man. You're talking about 80s KRS1. You know. Well, that's like a Sharks fan. LL Cool J. Um for me, man, it was LL. Like, to be yeah. honest with you, for me, man, Tila Rock 
was probably the yeah. first person commentating, illustrating, illustrating descriptive, giving, adjective, adjective expert. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. you know. So Tila Rock for yeah. me was the first person that because I, that's made me want to extend my vocabulary, and um, I felt like words were your weapons in battles, right? right? And so when you would hear like on K Pool, they they pay they played when Kumo D ran up on stage and. And interrupted Busy B. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, what's up, Busy B? You know, put that Bob Diddy Dobby thing on hold, you know, and you can hear the crowd in the background um, because it's a battle of wills. And if your will is stronger than the next man's will or the next person's will, then you can win the battle. But your will is determined by your words, your antics, your energy, your confidence. And it was no holes barred. So you get a combination for me of Tila Rock, Melly Mel, mm -hmm. who was just a menacing figure, and then LL, who represented our generation. Mm -hmm. And LL, to me, was a combination of everybody times two. And his um, attitude, that cockiness, uh, to me, we made ourselves into superheroes, you know, that couldn't be defeated. So battling, man, it was about breaking a person down. Um, through rhymes, through words, through styles, through patterns, through truth, mm. made up stuff, you know, um, um, in order to break somebody's will, you know, differently. You had you did you did dance battles. I didn't do dance battles. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I got um, mad respect for b boys because of it because yeah. I understand how hard it is mm -hmm. to physically practice eight hours a day every day when mm -hmm. people start thinking you're crazy you're like man just leave me alone i'm trying to get the shoulder spin to the head spin my neck is hurting yeah but go ahead yeah, yeah. And, and then yeah and now and that was different that and that rolled over to when we became a group and i remember we used to practice in y'all garage and off of tennyson i believe it was mm -hmm. and and hayward and the way you used to practice was different. You know, it was like, damn, man, you want to spend how much time doing this? You know, mm -hmm. routines, whether it was choreography or practicing moves. We used to spend a lot of time practicing, you yeah, know. Yeah. I knew track practice. You know, we spent two hours, three yeah. hours track practicing because right. I, I grew up running track. Um, so battling coming up for us was important. Battling was scary in a positive way. It was important to establish yourself that's how you made your name, and that's how you didn't take no shit from people. You know, you let people know that you was real with yours. So even when we did the Southland battle, it wasn't the way it was done. It was kind of like the scene in, in um, episode five where yeah. everybody got their chance to rock, and the crowd's supposed to decide who won. No, it's episode three. I mean, episode yeah, three. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. episode three. Everybody got their chance to rock, and the crowd had to decide who won. That's what we did. Battling was taken seriously when, when the Juice Crew you know, was going up against Boogie Down Productions and KRS-One and them, yeah. you know, that was serious. When MC Shan and KRS-One started going to Bridge Wars, that that was incredibly serious, man. Um, um, you fast forward, when you saw LL Cool J going up against Hammer, LL Cool J going up against Ice-T, you know, LL Cool J going up against Kumo D, you know. Yeah, he battled a lot of people, man. He battled cannabis, all three. too. Can <laughs> LL Cool J going up against Cannabis, you Damn. know. Um, uh, what was that song? Um, Second Round Knockout? That, that was with the Cannabis, but the one he named Hammer, Ice-T. Oh, Milky, <laughs> and I'm back. Uh, uh, that one? Not that one. After, uh, and 
Oh, oh, damn. What was that uh, record? It'll come back to me. Yeah. You know, that, and then also, man, it was our way of making our mark. It was our way of creating our own legacy. You got to understand, all this stuff was happening under the radar. This was a disenfranchised culture right. coming from a disenfranchised community. So if you're the number one battler in Oakland, it may not have meant nothing to anybody on a bigger scale, but right. in Oakland, yeah, you, you was, was the man. man. You was and, the man. And that's how you established yourself. That's how you made your mark, how you made... In a, in a burn. Eh, eh, eh. It's going to come to me. That's how you made your mark. <laughs> Battling was serious. So when you fast forward and you look at um, King of the Dot, uh, Smack, you know, URL yeah, and yeah. these guys, yeah. and you see how hard these dudes are in each other's faces and it looked like they about to do everything but stab each other and right. punch them in the jaw. Yeah, man. That's the spirit of hip hop. Yeah. Everything... But you but see, they hold them back in those battles. You yeah. would have actually punched somebody in the jaw back then. Oh, back then, then yeah. You could yeah, fight. Because they, they yeah. kind of like, holy, they laugh yeah, and they, hug each other. And I'm like, end. nah, man. Not in that era. Somebody said something about your moms, it was like instant. Yeah. Bam. You yeah. could catch it um, at the end of the battle. You know, Middle uh, of the battle. <laughs> the middle of the battle. You're going to fight. It was different because it was life and death for us. Yeah. It yeah. might be that. I'm not saying that ain't for, but for me. Dude, do you remember... Well, I ain't even gonna go that story. I won't even do, go that story. Um, uh -oh. Uh -oh. But but it's been times when people have taken shots at us that we've literally drove across the bay to where they were. Yeah. To step to them, like man, what the fuck, man? What you what you what you do? Yeah. You know because we knew by that person doing that, it could damage what we was trying to build, and what we were trying to build meant the world to us. Yeah. It, it was like the pyramids of Egypt in our mind. Uh -huh. We were like, yo, we built something that's, it could be 10 feet high, but to us, you ain't going to mess up our 10 feet pyramid. <laughs> this is it. So to us, and especially in the Bay, if this didn't work, man, I got to go back to Oakland right. to a house that had no electricity and water because right. I couldn't afford the bills, right. surrounded by all these pitfalls and traps that can, I could lose my life or lose my freedom. Right. Who are you to try to take me out? No, nah, I got to protect what's mine. That's right. hip hop. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the spirit. It ain't just a it's 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 all those variations, all those different variables uh, that that all culminate into this one thing and through hip hop lens is how we lived it out, man. But battling to us, man, you just didn't battle like we didn't take that lightly. You know, we mm -hmm. we didn't take it lightly when we did. The thing about our story, um, we could start it at the Wake Up Show. We could start it at MTV. We could start it at Shade Four Five. We could start it with Wu Tang American, you know, the American Saga. But for you and I, man, it started before people knew who we were. It started before we hit the radio. Mm -hmm. To me, those formative years from you know the first four years that we were together, to me, are the for some reason it's the stuff I remember most mm -hmm. because I feel like in that period of time we were learning the most. You know, all the doors being shut in our faces, people telling me I don't, I can't rap or I don't sound like I'm from Oakland. People right. saying our music don't sound like real music. I've heard all kind of stuff, you right, know. Right. All of which made me know, oh, we own to something. Yeah. Because it's, it's triggering a reaction. So RZA getting on stage in that battle and saying those crazy lyrics you were saying in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and people not getting it and people booing them off stage, that's the kind of thing that make me go, oh, we on to something. 
Because you could spit a mediocre rhyme and get no reaction. Nobody will remember it. They would always remember that dude. Oh, man, I remember he was at the rap battle, and he was talking about 23 chromosomes and sperms, yeah. and well, only <laughs> one make it, and another yeah, yeah. million die yeah. in the moon is a graveyard, yeah. and all yeah. this different stuff, man. Right. These little nuances that people take for granted, especially now, are really the seeds. These are the building blocks that, that help create this found this foundation, this culture of um, hip hop on every aspect, whether it's DJing, you know, man, we ran up on a DJ, bro, <laughs> at his club. Because yeah. he broke our record like it was crap. You don't remember that? Yeah, yeah, San Jose. Yeah, yeah I don't, don't want to say I don't remember DJ. why he did that anyway, man. I still don't remember don't to this day. Something happened. Uh, oh, no, he had beef with somebody we knew. Okay. Oh, with somebody we yeah. knew in San Jose, and yeah. then he was trying to take a shot at them. Uh-huh. We took it personal. We went over there. Um, that's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> hey, when we saw you stay calm during the Kanye interview, most of America thought Sway's probably a nice guy. Probably, mm-hmm. but the few of us that knew you from mm-hmm. from the beginning, I saw that look like, oh man, this dude is about mm-hmm. to clock him. It's mm-hmm. coming. And then at some point, I think you you had to use your brain instead of your fist. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. you had to use it. Because I, I, I saw the fist about to come when you kind of smacked the mic. It was like a, a check to you. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we back up. And uh, and then... I was spacing myself out. You were spacing yourself out. And Didn't then, even know it, though. No, it's natural <laughs> instinct. Yeah, that's natural instinct. Because yeah. what, what happened was it felt like homie was trying to belittle you. Yeah. And then you use the keywords, and this is a very important lesson for people that go through this. Um, when somebody's pushing your buttons, use your words correctly. It could change everything. And what Sway said was, hey, homie, why are you trying to embarrass? He could have said me. If he would have said, why are you trying to embarrass me? He would have said, I ain't trying to embarrass you. You just don't know shit. You don't know my life. You don't know this. Then Sway said, why are you trying to embarrass us, man? And I think the word us, it was like, Wait, wait, wait. Us could mean the people in the room. It could mean the 10 million people listening. Mm-hmm. And I think he caught himself. And I was like, man, that was a genius move, mm-hmm. man, because the old sway would have just clocked him. Then, and then the, the new sway is like, nah, man, I'm going to battle you with wits. That's and that, yeah. And I think, I think in, a, in a weird way, man, that's, um, again, we both have a little bit of a divine and a little bit of RZA because. Divine told me a story, man, that, that uh, like, if you can go up to, like, if you stepped on my shoes three times, the third time, man, it's, it's, it's just a fight. There's no, I'm not, I don't talk about it. It's just like, bro, stop, man, stop. I, I'm, I'm a three and proceed guy. RZA will just take his foot out of that. This is what he told me, Divine, that, that he will take his foot out of um, that shoe and just put on another pair of shoes and just keep keep going. He doesn't stop to in, engage with stupid Shit, he just doesn't do it. I'm like, wow, interesting, man. So, dog, I guess Rizzo was always kind of like that guy because mm-hmm. I don't know if either one of us would get our shoes stepped on three times on purpose and be like, "Excuse me, brother, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go put on some more shoes." <laughs> We'd be like, "Hey, man, listen. we we wasn't those people then." Then, yeah. 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 Today, nah, it takes more than stepping on my shoes to, to move me. But even with the yay thing, um. I don't. No, nobody really ever. No one's ever talked to you about it since then, have they? 
People have asked me about it. I've gave some pretty standard responses. I, you know, I love that man, I, and I loved him then, you know, and right. that's what it was about. You and I known him for years. Yeah, we got, longer, we, yeah. Yeah, we got footage of him on our show when people didn't really know him. <clears throat> yep. We put him on the stage, remember, at the box. Uh, 2003, you, he had yeah. just got signed to Rockefeller. Actually, Freddie Rodriguez had told me that, um, you know, he had been in a group called Them There in Chicago, like in the early 90s. Then we heard he was battling... Um, uh, common, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh, he's coming up." And I think then yeah, you went to buy some tracks from him, mm-hmm. just on the to, to help the homie out type thing, man. Well, so, I mean, I, I thought it was that. You know, I don't, I really don't. In retrospect, I don't know if he needed help. I just love, I love. You know, we grew to really like the dude, right? And thought he was great for the culture. Like, think about that, man. We put him on stage before a lot of folks knew who he was. Right. Because of what he was kept. We were always trying to find dudes who we thought can improve and expand right, the culture. Right. He's one of those guys. So when we had that conversation, we did kind of get into a battle of wit thing, perhaps. But he has something else going on in his life. But me, I'm looking at it like, man, hey, dude, are we, are we going back for? I got to find a way to be clever as right. if we're in a battle. Right. Outsmart the environment, the atmosphere that was set in that room, and move us forward. Right, and so what you saw was me at that crossroad of yeah, yeah. And I'm tired of this dude yelling at me, <laughs> and I'm really trying to get the information from him. And then in the end, we end up saying we love each other, shook hands, and you know people don't realize that. Um, but know. they don't know you, bro. Like let me, let me I'm gonna tell you a, a, a sway story, man. Since I know, so when we first hooked up, I was like the kind of like man, if you dissing us. Sway, we they gonna get it. So you ain't gotta go. I didn't even know how what your background was. I just knew I did martial arts, mm-hmm. so I could kick somebody in the head from twenty feet away, right? Yeah, I, I so had then, guns. So yeah, you you <laughs> we didn't know you had guns. So yeah, no, so this this um these dudes. So when we first started the record label, we put your mom's phone number on the vinyl so you can actually get phone calls uh-huh. um, about, you know, we're trying to get off the ground. We didn't know what other number to put. We didn't know about uh, LLCs and stuff. We were 18 years old, man. Yeah. So some crew started to call your house and and harass you and be like, y'all suck, this, that. And then, you know, you kept telling the dudes, like, listen, man, this, this is my mom's resident. Like, y'all got to chill out. So at some point, we run into these guys at the club and I got like, I think five guys with me, and we're like, hey, hey, Sway, man, if you want to go ahead and just go outside. We start walking toward the door to help you leave so uh-huh. we can get these dudes. We turn around, and you, you ain't left. You're actually in the dude's face like, uh-huh. man, you calling my motherfucking mom's house, man. I'm a fuck. <laughs> and these dudes were in so much shock. We was in shock, too. We were like, oh, shit, this is a side of Sway we hadn't seen, uh-huh. you know. So that's what I was afraid was going to happen to Kanye oh, nah, man. when he was, he was like, <laughs> Nah, man, let me say this about that, man. I think that dude um, is extremely talented, very passionate. At that time, he was obviously going through things the rest of the world didn't know about. Years later, we found out that, you know, he was dealing with a whole lot, brothers. You know, after his mom passed and, you know, whatever was going on in his life and dealing with uh, schizophrenia thing, or um, depression and all these different things, he could have been on medication back then. We didn't know. Um, I, I never would have tried to make it physical. That's why it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I did get 
to a point where you was close, bro. I was that, out of that my look. That look yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that look of, uh, hey man, hey man. Yeah, I got it. You said, "What'd you say? We could turn these cameras uh, off yeah, and turn yeah. these mics off if you want, bro." Yeah, and that took you back to the late '80s when I used yeah. to do that. But uh, we're bigger. We're divine. Um, no pun intended. We're benevolent people. We're civilized people, and I know that. We touched the world with this platform, these platforms, with the Wake Up Show. We touched the world. Mm-hmm. And it's too many people that look at us for guidance. And uh, he and I, especially being two black men on the uh, air having this con, two Africans on the air having this conversation, there's no reason uh, why it should ever come to physicality, even if we disagree on how things are being spoken about. I thank God that it turned out the way it did. Had it not, you know, Things would be different right now. Things would be different. I might right not now. be interview. I might be interviewed yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, you know the things with hey, you know. And, Whatever uh, this way, man. It's like, yeah. man, they sent him to Alaska, bro. Like but, now, I gotta go see him catch a ship. Uh-huh. He works at XM out of Alaska. Yeah, man, you gotta see him. He's smuggling drugs <laughs> he's, now. He's back. Uh, but even yay, man, he come from hip hop. He, he's a he's a battler too. So you just saw in a conversation it was almost like a dance. You know, I say that to say everybody. It's important, you know, like even with this, you know, you watch this um, Wu-Tang American Saga series and you see these, the principles, you see the circumstances that help create the principles, that help create the rules, that help create the path that we walk in hip hop. Kanye grew up in Chicago, like you said, battling. It's tapes of him freestyling. He had to battle to get people to recognize him as a rapper and not just a producer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not not in a traditional sense, but he mm-hmm. had to run up and jump on tables and rap. I remember he rapped to me all the way from New York to Philly mm-hmm. when we had him working with somebody we were working with, you know? Actually, when we got our first shot to be on MTV as The Wake Up Show, he was one of the guests we had, mm-hmm. and uh, he brought his mom on. Mm-hmm. And it, we like people don't know, man, we really pushed a few artists in, in our career when we thought they had a, a chance yeah. He was one of them. We really pushed. He don't know all the stuff he, he did he behind the scenes. He doesn't know all the stuff. That's why he don't understand where I was. He don't know the program directors we had to coerce. Yeah. He don't know the promoters. He don't oh, know. man. I, I'm going to tell you, Jay-Z was another guy when he came out with uh, Can't Knock the Hustle and all that, man. We were on um, you know, a lot of stations at that time. And I remember the PDs coming up to us asking us, Jay-Z? This dude is old school, right? From Big Daddy Kane era. But, man, he got a record with Mary J. Blige, bro. He got to get a shot. Okay, we're going to be between this record tech and this record. Jay got to get a shot, bro. Yeah. See, they don't know all that stuff. And then Nas was like, if we rule the world, y'all really think Nas? Man, Nas got to get a show. A lot of these guys that, that, were, that were coming up, they don't know what we did for them behind the scene, man. And RZA, you know, I got to say this about RZA. He does realize it, knows it, and appreciates it. He's one of the only few dudes that has come back year after year and was like, nah, man, I appreciate what you guys did. I think you did a, um, something with him in New York where yeah. it was in a movie theater. And, yeah, he did, and the, the, the soundtrack to the movie. Um, uh, one of them, 36 Chambers or yeah. something. He flipped something with mm-hmm. Shaolin versus something he mm-hmm. was doing, and he called me the last minute was like, yo, Tech, man, I, I, I got a problem. The movie was supposed to be downloaded. I got 1,500 people out here, and I don't really know what to do exactly, man. 
And I, and I, I was like, well, I'm in Cali. You're in New York. The only person that could help you is, is Sway. And you're like, ah, oh, man, I'll just hop in a cab and go over there or whatever. You went over there. Mm-hmm. And then you called me like two hours later. It was like, man, actually it turned out to be fun. I'm like, oh, you saw the movie? He's like, nah, we just sat on stage <laughs> making fun of which one knew you better <laughs> and making jokes about King Tech for two hours. And the crowd was going. I'm like, that was the thing? And he, and then I talked to him later. He goes, man, dude, Sway is a freaking pro, bro. He, he's the best in, in that, man. He's like, to make a crowd just on the spot come up with all that stuff. So he's one of the few that really remembers what mm-hmm. we did and appreciates it. I don't really know if Nas remembers, nah, bro. Zibit nah, remembers. Bro. I don't know if, oh. if Raz and them, if, if Ahmad and them, if – I mean, some of them do. I no, can't no, say everybody okay, doesn't so remember. So let me answer some of those questions. Yeah. Every time I see Nas, yeah. yo, how's tech? Nas remembers. Nas, Nas remembers? Nas remembers – Appreciates it. Razcast lives in New York. Raz remembers, appreciates it. Common. It's, Common is like our brother, man. I like okay. Common, when his first album came out, was around the same time soon after we got on the air. And so we all grew up together. We grew up together in this yeah. stuff. So Common, it's no big deal. Yo, what Tech good? Tech good? How's his kids? Uh, you know, he's. There's some dudes that absolutely 100, Freddie Fox. Jay-Z, Jay-Z came back on, on he's been on the morning show? Nah, yeah. nah, Jay, never been on. Ten, that's 10 years, morning. right? You been, yeah. when, when did you guys ask him to come? We requested a few years uh, early in the game, early when we came on Shade 4 or 5. And we, what was the response? Uh, I never talked to him directly, uh, but... Uh, you know, sometimes it ain't even them, man. They might not even hear about it. You know, they yeah. it's the team that make a decision that they think the person might make. Well, you got to, you know, he's only doing two interviews or, or was one of the responses. He's not doing interviews for this. He's only doing two interviews for this project and had already done it right. to one of the response. Another response was the pitch, mm-hmm. you know, was another. But, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's him. Anytime I've seen Jay-Z, I saw him when he wrote the book, Decoded. That was the last time I interviewed Jay-Z. Um, what year was that? Oh, come on, man. I was, decoded? Uh, we could Google it. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And um, I read the book, and I thought it was awesome. You know, the same way I'm looking at this Wu-Tang Clan movie. You know, like, oh, man, these are dudes we know that's been to our house. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Jay-Z's been to our house and recorded yeah. stuff for us. You know, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, um, and man, honestly, the way the dude lit up when, when I walked in the room and he was like, oh, they brought the big dogs <laughs> and we shook hands and hugged at the end of the day, man, as much money as he's made, as powerful as he's become controversial in many ways, loved, hated, whatever it is, dude. I think some of these dudes, when they see dudes like you and me, it allows them to go back to the essence. Right. So when I see a Nas or I see a Jay-Z, name it Kane. Kane is a friend now. Big Daddy Kane's a friend. Big Daddy Kane's your yeah, friend? Man, Kane's my friend. I done been to the club with Kane. You know? What? Yeah, so. Man, I'm missing man, out on, on oh, this, man. man. They, they all get it. They like soul. You know, Red Man. Red Man hit, hit me the other day. You know, uh, dudes get it. They're happy we're still here. They're happy we're here and, eff- and, and we, we're effective we're here yeah. and we're doing it with yeah. factors in this actually daylight was that's the one time i ran into him at the airport and they pulled me to the side and they were like they didn't like the kanye sequence of events and i was yeah. like why, why is that he's like dude 
without Sway, a lot of us from that era won't have an opportunity to get on the air and promote our albums. Yeah, hip hop turned their back on their pioneers. Hip hop turns the backs on the, those who helped build it. Which is weird. Yeah. Now that happened to you at the Hot 97. I, I, I recall you were playing yeah. a lot of Gangstar. You were doing something, yeah. and they pulled you to the side one time, and they were like, ah, Sway, yeah, you, you know, yeah. We, we're not trying to resurrect the past in New York. And you're like, in New York? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that sounds weird, man. It's like you're in Mecca, and they go, Sway, man, this whole Muslim thing, man, you got to chill out on the Muslim thing in Mecca. And you're like, in Mecca? What? You know, uh, then 2003 is when I was filling in at Hot 97. Okay. And what I wanted to do, um, a lot of hip-hop radio and personalities based their stick on being negative and dissing oh, people. yeah, that's how it okay. was. Yeah. I did the opposite. I'm like, man, we're going to spread joy and be positive and celebratory. And in the process, I wanted to bring older artists and, and bridge them with the newer artists. And so dope. I wanted to bring Guru and Gangstar up. Right. Cool Herc used to be outside, the godfather, but you know, yep, used to started be started it all, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to bring them up. Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth was going to come up, you know, and the program director told me, nah, we can't, you can't have any of those dudes up, any of those old school guys. We're in the now, now, moving forward. And I was like, that's not right. This is hip hop. And they made it possible for this station to exist. And there's no way. I'm going to turn my back on DJ Premier, Cool mm -hmm. Herc, Pete Rock in New York in right. 2003. Right, right. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that ain't going to happen. That's insane, man. You, you know that's not going to happen. And yeah. so uh, I said, as long as I'm here, those people are going to have a place here. Fast forward with Shade 4-5 and uh, just doing the wake-up show on Shade 4-5 and doing Sway in the Morning. Sway in the Morning is just an extension of the wake-up show. Right. It's all we've done and all the things we've learned and yep. got way more mainstream things going on. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I had Just Ice on the show last week. Woo. You know what I mean? I, I I bring up the people who made all of this possible. And it's important that we protect our narratives. We protect, preserve our culture, preserve our legacies and tell our own stories. And that's why I think this Wu-Tang Clan America Saga um, series is so important because it's us telling our stories. And, and it's it. finally being documented in a way that only RZA could tell. Exactly, man. Yeah, there it is, man. Okay, we good? Sway hey, Calloway. Man. I'll see you at the house. King Tech. All right. <laughs>